Chapter ninety seven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter ninety seven in which obadiah arrives in the meantime our worthy little lieutenant puddock by this time quite reconciled to the new state of things walked up to belmont with his head a great deal fuller such and so great are human vagaries of the interview pending between him and aunt becky than of the little romance which had exploded so unexpectedly about a fortnight ago he actually saw miss gertrude and my lord de norne walking side by side on the mulberry walk by the river and though he looked and felt a little queer perhaps a little absurd he did not sigh or murmur a stanza or suffer a palpitation but walked up to the hall door and asked for miss rebecca chatsworth aunt becky received him in the drawing-room she was looking very pale and spoke very little and very gently for her in a reconciliation between two persons of the opposite sexes though the ages be wide apart there is almost always some ingredient of sentiment the door was shut and puttock's voice was heard in an indistinct murmur upon the lobby then there was a silence or possibly some speaking in a still lower key then aunt becky was crying and the lieutenant's voice cooing through it then aunt becky still crying said a longer time than you think for lieutenant two years and more always and the lieutenant's voice rose again and she said what a fool i've been which was again lost in puttock's accents and the drawing-room door opened and aunt rebecca ran upstairs with her handkerchief to her red nose and eyes and slammed her bedroom door after her like a boarding-school miss and the general's voice was heard shouting luncheon in the hall and dominic repeated the announcement to puttock who stood unusually pale and very much stunned with the handle of the open drawing-room door in his hand looking up toward the bedroom in an undecided sort of way as if he was not clear whether it was his duty to follow aunt becky on being told a second time however that the general awaited him at luncheon he apprehended the meaning of the message and went down to the parlour forthwith the general and my lord de norne and miss gertrude and honest father roach were there and aunt becky being otherwise engaged could not come puttock at luncheon was abstracted frightened silent for the most part talking only two or three sentences during that sociable meal by fits and starts and he laughed once abruptly at a joke he did not hear he also drank three glasses of port and rebecca met him with her hood on in the hall she asked him with a faltering sort of carelessness looking very hard at the clock and nearly with her back to him lieutenant will you take a turn in the garden with me to which puttock with almost a start for he had not seen her till she spoke 
and upon my word tis a fact with a blush too made a sudden smile and a bow and a suitable reply in low tones and forth they sallied together and into the garden and up and down the same walk for a good while a long while people sometimes don't count the minutes with none but peter bryan the gardener whom they did not see to observe them when they came to the white wicket door of the garden aunt rebecca hastily dropped his arm on which she had leaned and together they returned to the house very affably and there aunt becky bid him good-bye in a whisper a little hastily and puttock as soon as he found dominic asked for the general he had gone down to the river and puttock followed as he walked along the court he looked up there was a kind of face at the window he smiled a great deal and raised his hat and placed it to his heart and felt quite bewildered like a man in a dream and in this state he marched down to the river's bank they had not been together for a full minute when the stout general threw back his head looking straight in his face and then he stepped first one then another fat little pace backward and poked his cane right at the ribs of the plump little lieutenant then closing with him he shook both puttock's hands in both his with a hearty peal of laughter then he took puttock under his arm puttock had to stoop to pick up his hat which the general had dislodged and so the general walks him slowly towards the house sometimes jogging his elbow a little under his ribs sometimes calling a halt and taking his collar in his finger and thumb thrusting him out a little and eyeing him over with a sort of swagger and laughing and coughing and whooping and laughing again almost to strangulation and altogether extraordinarily boisterous and hilarious and familiar as clough thought who viewed this spectacle from the avenue mr sterling would not have been quite so amused at a similar freak of mrs heidelberg's but our honest general was no special worshipper of money he was rich too and his daughter well dowered was about to marry a peer and beside all this though he loved sister becky her yoke galled him and i think he was not altogether sorry at the notion of a little more liberty at the same moment honest peter bryan having set his basket of winter greens down upon the kitchen table electrified his auditory by telling them with a broad grin and an oath that he had seen lieutenant puttock and aunt rebecca kiss in the garden with a great smart smack by the powers within three yards of his elbow when he was stooping down cutting them greens at which profanity old mistress dorothy aunt rebecca's maid was so incensed that she rose and left the kitchen without a word the sensation there however was immense and mistress dorothy heard the gavel and laughter fast and furious behind her until she reached the hall captain clough was asking for aunt rebecca when puttock and the general reached the hall door and was surprised to learn that she was not to be seen if she knew twas i he thought but no matter 
oh we could have told you that eh puddock cried the general tisn't everybody can see my sister today, captain a very peculiar engagement eh puddock and a sly wink and a chuckle clough smiled a little and looked rather conscious and queer but pleased with himself and his eyes wandered over the front windows hastily to see if aunt becky was looking out for he fancied there was something in the general's quizzing and that the lady might have said more than she quite intended to poor little puddock on the subject of the gallant mediator and that in fact he was somehow the theme of some little sentimental disclosure of the ladies what the plague else could they both mean by quizzing clough about her puddock and he had not gone halfway down the short avenue when clough said with a sheepish smile miss rebecca chatsworth dropped something in her talk with you puddock i see that plain enough my dear fellow which the general has no objection i should hear and hang it i don't see any myself i say i may as well hear it eh i venture to say there's no great harm in it at first puddock was reserved but recollecting that he had been left quite free to tell whom he pleased he made up his mind to unbosom and suggested for the sake of quiet and a longer conversation that they should go round by the ferry no i thank you i've had enough of that we can walk along as quietly as you like and turn a little back again if need be so slowly side by side the brother officers paced toward the bridge and little puddock with a serious countenance and blushing cheeks and looking straight before him made his astounding disclosure puddock told things in a very simple and intelligible way and clough heard him in total silence and just as he related the crowning fact that he the lieutenant was about to marry miss rebecca chatsworth having reached the milestone by the footpath captain clough raised his foot thereupon without a word to puddock and began tugging at the strap of his legging with a dismal red grin and a few sputtering curses at the artificer of the article and the lady has had the condescension to say that she has liked me for at least two years and she hating you like poison to my certain knowledge laughed captain clough very angrily and swallowing down his feelings so they walked on a little way in silence and clough who had his face very red and his mouth a good deal expanded and down in the corners was looking steadfastly forward exclaimed suddenly well i see clough said puddock you don't think it prudent you think we mayn't be happy prudent laughed clough with a variety of unpleasant meanings and after a while and the general knows of it and approves it most kindly said puddock what else can he do sneered clough tis a precious fancy they are such cheats why you might be almost her grandson my dear puddock <laughs> tis preposterous you're sixteen years younger than i if you can't congratulate me twould be kinder not to say anything captain clough and nobody must speak in my presence of that lady but with proper respect and i-i thought clough you'd have wished me well and shaken hands and said something 
something oh as for that said clough swallowing down his emotions again and shaking hands with puddock rather clumsily and trying to smile i wish you well heaven knows everything good why shouldn't i by george you know puddock twas i who brought you together and and am i at liberty to mention it puddock thought it better the news should be proclaimed from belmont well so i think myself said clough and relapsed into silence till they parted at the corner of the broad street of chapel is it and clough walked at an astounding pace on to his lodgings here's captain clough said mrs mason to a plump youth who had just made the journey from london and was standing with the driver of a low-backed car and saluted the captain who was stalking in without taking any notice little bill if you please captain what is it demanded the captain grimly obi dyer's come sir obi dyer said the captain what the plague do you mean sir obi dyer sir is the name we give him the pelican sir from messrs hamburg and sly and the young man threw back a piece of green baize and disclosed obi dyer who blinked with a tranquil countenance upon the captain through the wires of a strong wooden cage i doubt if the captain ever looked so angry before or since he glared at the pelican and ground his teeth and actually shook his cane in his fist and if he had been one bit less prudent than he was i think obi dyer would then and there have slept with his fathers clough whisked himself about and plucked open the paper and what the devil is all this for sir ten twelve pounds ten shillings freightage and care on the way and twenty-five by george sir not far from forty pounds sir roared clough where'll i bring him to sir asked the driver the captain bellowed an address we shan't print here curse him curse the brute forty pounds and the captain swore hugely you scoundrel drive the whole concern out of that sir drive him away sir or by jove i'll break every bone in your body sir and the captain scaled the stairs and sat down panting and outside the window he heard the driver advising something about putting the captain's bird to livery till sitch time as he had come to his senses and himself undertaking to wait opposite the door of his lodgings until his fare from dublin was paid though clough was occasionally swayed by the angry passions he was on the whole in his own small way a long-headed fellow he hated law especially when he had a bad case and accordingly he went down again rumpling the confounded bill in his hand and told the man that he did not blame him for it though the whole thing was an imposition but that rather than have any words about it he'd pay the account and have done with it and he stared again in the face of the pelican with an expression of rooted abhorrence and disgust and the mild bird clapped its bill perhaps expecting some refreshment and looking upon the captain with a serene complacency very provoking under the circumstances 
how the devil people can make such misshapen idiotic-looking selfish useless brutes and by george it smells like a polecat curse it but some people have deuced queer fancies in more matters than one the brute on my soul i'd like to shoot it however with plenty of disputation over the items and many oaths and vows the gallant captain with a heavy and wrathful heart paid the bill and although he had sworn in his drawing-room that he'd eat the pelican before aunt rebecca should have it he thought better also upon this point too and it arrived that evening at belmont with his respectful compliments clough was soon of opinion that he was in absolute possession of his own secret and resolved to keep it effectually he hinted that very evening at mess and afterwards at the club that he had been managing a very nice and delicate bit of diplomacy which not a soul of them suspected at belmont and that by george he thought they'd stare when they heard it he had worked like a lord chancellor to bring it about and he thought all was pretty well settled now and the chapel is it folk in general and puddock as implicitly as any and aunt rebecca for that matter also believed to their dying day that clough had managed that match and been a true friend to little puddock clough never married but grew confoundedly corpulent by degrees and suffered plaguily from gout but was always well dressed and courageously buckled in and i dare say two inches less in girth thanks to the application of mechanics than nature would have presented him end of chapter ninety seven recording by john brandon